Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, big game Sunday night, Bills, Bengals. We talked a lot about leading into the trade deadline. The Bills have actually made another move. Here we go again. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Matt's in his car at practice <laughs> right now doing this. Yeah. I had an on-location radio show on WGR, so I couldn't get to practice. Matt, you're going to be my eyes and ears today while we do this as well. Yes, I'm happy to do that. I can tell you that the question a lot of you probably have is Josh Allen was out at practice today during the portion of practice that we are allowed to watch. He was throwing the ball. Everything looked normal. He had his normal checkup with trainers before the stretching portion, just getting worked on, excuse me, getting his shoulder looked at. So all all is normal once again at One Bills Drive. The other question I think most fans have is, how big exactly is Linval Joseph? (coughs) Massive. Sorry. I'm just out in the cold. I think I'm dealing with the same thing that like everybody's dealing with. He's huge. And it's funny you mentioned that because our colleague over at Spectrum John Scott was standing there getting shots of him, as was I. And Ed Oliver walked over and said something to John of the effect of like, have you ever seen somebody that big before? And he is noticeable. But it's funny because for as big as he is, he doesn't like tower over anybody. He's like a little bit bigger than Jordan Phillips. And Jordan Phillips is a pretty big guy. So, you know, he is going to be here to be a run stuffer, to eat some double teams and to open up some space for those other guys and hopefully just kind of shore up their defensive line. So on Wednesday, we got a chance to speak with Brandon Bean after the trade deadline. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Sean McDermott. And then he talked about, you know, Josh Allen and Russell Douglas as well. And we get into Thursday and Bean, uh, I'm sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but McDermott basically said that, you know, no, no indication, no, nothing worry about for Sunday that, you know, Josh is going to play on Sunday. Correct. He didn't really say anything specific once again but the fact that he's practicing they were like you know josh is out there josh is gonna be good to go so the fact that he's practicing today they didn't say this on wednesday but i almost wonder if this becomes a routine i almost wonder if this Mm -hmm. becomes like a i don't want to say load management that might not be the right way of using it but i wonder if he gets like a vet rest day once a week or something just to kind of limit the reps that he's you know putting on his shoulder and make sure that he is as fresh as possible for Sundays. Yeah, maybe even up in, at least until the bye week, which is late this year. That's going to come the uh, first weekend of December. But the point is, as far as talking with Bean and McDermott, we heard from Brandon Bean after the trade deadline. Then I had a chance to talk with him on, our, on my radio show, uh, myself and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. 
which was really great to do after the signing of Linval Joseph. So let's kind of get into what these guys said about all of these additions. Let's start with Joseph because you're talking about how massive he is. Being told us on WGR, he is a one technique. He's going to play nose guard basically. And that's really what yeah. they've kind of been lacking ever since Daquan Jones went out, Matt. Like I think Ed Oliver is best when he has a guy like this next to him. And Ed Oliver's still been good without Daquan Jones, but he's even better when he had Daquan Jones. He's even better when he had Von Miller next to him. He'll be even better with Linval Joseph. This is what they needed. They really were kind of having to play Jordan Phillips at that spot. Puna mm -hmm. Ford isn't quite the same player. He's squatty, and he's going to kind of sit there and take up a couple blockers. But this is a really big addition to an offensive line group with with an, a big injury that they needed to make sure that everyone could kind of fall back into place in their normal roles. Quite literally a big addition. Yeah, I do not think right. that he is the replacement for Daquan Jones. It's unrealistic to think that he can come in and actually live up to that bar that Daquan Jones has set because he was so dominant when he played to start the season and for most of last season. But I think it's going to be a lot closer to that than we have seen since Daquan Jones was injured. They'll still use a rotation. They're still going to get these guys on and off the field. Ed Oliver is still going to be their most snapped defensive tackle. I think the week before he missed the game, he had like 86% of the snaps or something like that. So mm -hmm. I, I think there's still going to be a rotation, but I think Joseph is going to slide in nicely to really just kind of let Ed go do what he is best at, and that is just disrupt the quarterback, create interior pressure, and then on the downs when you know their team's going to run, he's probably going to be one of the guys out there because that's something that he does well is just kind of you know suffocate an offensive line and just free up a lane for either somebody to make a tackle or to try and get in the way himself. And neither Sean McDermott nor Brandon Bean ruled him out for Sunday. He could play Sunday along with Rasul Douglas. That's still a work in progress. I think they might. I mean, you have two guys here on the active 53. There's not practice squad signings like Leonard Fournette. Yeah. These are two guys on the active 53. If you don't play them, you'll have to elevate somebody. So it would be roster spots you're not using. It can happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if either of these guys play on Sunday. This is a question. Take specialists out of it. Is defensive tackle the easiest position to get acclimated, maybe defensive end, running back. I mean, I think that those are probably the ones in question, right? For like what they are using Joseph for, it should not take very long to get acclimated. Now I can say during the portion of practice that we were watching, he watched most of the drills and then would rotate in for a rep or two. And then he would go back mm -hmm. out and he would watch the drills. So I don't think that it's going to be like, if he's active, which I think there's a chance that he is, He'll get some snaps. I don't think he'll play a ton, but I would imagine that he could probably get caught up to speed faster than Douglas could just because yeah. of the positions that they play. That being said, you know, they traded a third round pick for Douglas and he played literally last week for the Packers. So he is in shape. He's ready to go. It's all just kind of figuring out if he can get the scheme down. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. To answer the question you asked, I agree with you. It's defensive line. I would say defensive end is probably, if you get a true pass yeah. rushing yeah. defensive end, you C can basically say, go after the quarterback. That's what you do. Just go after yeah. the quarterback. 
Defensive tackle, a little more nuance, where they line up, where they shade. You can definitely have some run fits there, but you can do the same thing. You could also make it easier when that player's on the field. Go, look, we're going with our base defense. Just line up there, go wreak havoc. You could do things like that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him. As far as Douglas is concerned, that also came. Well, Joseph's move came with putting Kyer Elam on injured reserve. So, Matt, when you think mm-hmm. about it, here are your choices for Sunday. You're going to have Benford and Jackson. It's either going to be Douglas, who's on the active roster, or you're going to elevate Josh Norman or Jamarcus Ingram. You can't go into the game with two boundary corners. You're only no. the, the, you, you might have to choose two out of those three because you might want to have four guys in that situation against this particular team. I think he's going to be active. I really yeah. do. I just don't know how much he's going to play. I think he is going to be active and come – I don't – like probably not come off the bench, but probably just do some stuff that they feel like he is ready to do and that they're comfortable with him. Maybe they'll find some unique things that they can try and do with him and like dime packages or something like that. But I think he's going to be active because you just made a trade for this guy. I just think yep. that if you were picking between the people that you said, to me, it would ima- I would imagine it's Josh Norman and Russell Douglas. That, that's what I would just assume that happens now that Elam is on injured reserve. But I don't know. Maybe they just take the guys that have been in the building a little bit longer. They go with Ingram and they go with Josh Norman. From Sean McDermott's press conference, Brandon Bean's press conference, talking about how all this came together, bringing these guys in. We know that they moved some money around recently for Deion Dawkins. Apparently, it is, according to Mike Garofolo, a one-year deal worth $3.67 million for um, for Limbaugh Joseph. That That's not cheap. So I think no. the overall point for me here is, Matt, Brandon Bean is not sitting on his hands. Now, granted, no. he's not getting all pros off the street. We know that. They aren't just falling off trees everywhere. You can't do that. Uh-huh. But let's take a look at a couple of things. Number one, two teams, two in the entire AFC, actually acquired a player at the trade, di- trade deadline. The Bills and the Jags, that's it. Chiefs didn't do it. Dolphins didn't do it. Ravens didn't do it. No one did it. On top of that, the Bills bring in Leonard Fournette to help stabilize the running back position. They bring in Linval Joseph to help stabilize the defensive tackle position. You can think, okay, these guys are older. What do they really do? I think the bigger picture is Brandon Bean is not sitting on his hands. He's not using injuries as an excuse. He's still trying to go all in and believes his team can win the AFC. Yeah, you can look at it two ways. I guess it's all perspective. One, I'm glad that he did not sit on his hands. I think they needed to make some moves to kind of get this roster a little bit closer to what they were before the injuries. But two, he also probably felt like they needed to make moves. And he's trying Mm -hmm. to salvage what roster – they had, I think you can make the argument before the London game, actually, no, before the Dolphins game, that was the game that Tredavious White got hurt. Before that game, that's the best roster this team has had maybe in their tenure. They were so talented on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they were just cooking on every single level. And you're like, man, these guys could really do something special with this pass rush, Matt Milano, and then this this depth they have in the secondary, and then that all kind of went away with the injuries to Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, Tredavious White, one at every level. So, yeah, I think it's good that they made the moves. I think they needed to make the moves, and I also think he realizes that they needed to make the moves because if this team is going to accomplish what they are trying to accomplish, I don't think they had enough pieces as it was Monday morning. I think that they needed to go get a corner. I think that they needed to improve their defensive line. I think there's something to be said that they didn't do anything at linebacker. I thought that would be something they would do. And then obviously on the last episode of the podcast, I talked about Fournette. I think he is going to play and I think he's going to be a difference maker. I think that's one of those other positions where I I don't want to say you could just like walk in the door and immediately play, but I think it's a lot easier to get up to speed there than it is at some of the other spots. 
I would caution, though, it didn't happen with Naeem Hines last year. No, it did not. It did not, but it's a different skill set, right? Like you're bringing in Leonard Fournette because you need a power back, and you still want to incorporate him in the passing game. But I think in obvious passing downs, it's still going to be James Cook. They needed to try and get oh, wait, are, are we sure about that? This is a guy that had 73 catches last year. He had 100 targets a few years ago. I know, but if he's coming in to do both exclusively, then what is James Cook going to do? I agree with that. I agree with <laughs> I don't want him to take a lot of stuff from James Cook, but no, I, I think I think Leonard Fournette will play enough a lot on third down. He quite a bit. He's a really good pass blocking back, and he's a good pass mm-hmm. catcher. I think he fills that role where you don't have to rely just on James Cook. Yes, I think that's the rub where if you do it, you take James Cook off the field. No one really wants to see that. But I don't think this guy is just coming in here to be a goal linebacker. Here's what I'll say. I think Leonard Fournette allows the offense to be more unpredictable because I think sure. when he comes onto the field, I think defenses aren't going to exactly know what to expect because he can be a power back. He can catch the ball, and he is better in pass protection, obviously, than James Cook is. So maybe it keeps a defense on their toes a little bit more. So, yeah, yeah. I think he's going to get acclimated. But, like, if you're talking about a split, I still think James Cook is getting more touches than Leonard Fournette I think you're looking more like it was when Damian Harris was there. James Cook gets the I'm majority. And then 65-35. And then Cook, Harris and Latavius Murray. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, he'll still be involved as well. All right, let's talk about this week's opponent. Big game against the Cincinnati Bengals. 